Not every day looks like I want it to. Keep making all the same mistakes. No matter how hard I try, perfecting everything. Still I fall, still I fall down. Still I fall, still I fall down. And when I stop and think about what I'm after, I realize it's all for nothing. PCC, how are you doing today? I'm Elijah, and you're not Ellis. I'm definitely not Ellis. I don't even know where to look. Who are you? I'm Ben Dillenback. You look right there. There's right. the people. Yeah. Wave yeah. to them. Hello. Hey, hey Who everybody. are you again? I'm Ben Dillenback. I'm uh, the technical director here at PCC. Yeah, Ben. What's up, man? You, not much. You have been on the other side of this. Most of the time. Oh. All of the time. Most of the time. It's yeah. been a while. It's yeah. been a minute. So. Have, you, have you done this hype before? I've not done hype. Yeah. I've been on the other side. Recording hype. Right, yes, like, that's what I'm saying. Like you just said. Yes, yep, okay. I said that. You, you said did. it. You you should say it so we can all have said it. Ben has been on the other side of the camera. Ben does a lot around here at all of our physical locations and online, making sure everything tech goes well. So Hopefully it goes well. Yeah, yes. we'll just give you credit. When things look really good, we'll be like, that was Ben. When if they it, don't, we'll be like... Someone else. That was Lenny. That was someone, yeah. <laughs> that was someone yeah. else. Yeah. No, <laughs> no uh, but we're really glad that you're here today, especially if you're new. You can fill out a welcome card in the chat. You know where it is. If you're on your phone, it's below us. If you're on a computer, it's over there next to Ben right there. There's the chat. So go ahead and fill out a welcome card when you see the link in there. You'll have another chance to do that, though, in the service. So if you miss it now, it's all right. Ben, we're in, uh, we're in our No Offense series. I, are, I take none for that. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you. We're, we are learning how to be less offendable. So I appreciate that. Uh, but this is our third week. We're going to be talking about something that uh, we also strive to do, to give, to receive, but might be hard for us to do. And that is... I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I figured. I was putting you on the spot. Yeah. Forgiveness. I'm talking about forgiveness today. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I forgive you for putting me on the spot. Mm, thank you. No problem. Ben, ben doesn't need it today. It's the rest of us. He, he's already got it. It's the rest of us that need it. But, uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. I hope that if you have seen these past couple weeks of this series that you've really enjoyed it. It's been super practical. Um, if you haven't, you can catch up anytime, though, on our website, on our YouTube page. Go to pccwire.net. Or, like I said, search PCC Passion Community Church, specifically, on YouTube, and you'll find these messages. They've been really good, and uh, we're excited for this one. The story about Frosted Flakes was a good one. So, it was. That was a good one. It was. And that makes me think, Ben, what is, do top three cereals off the top of your head, start at three, go to one? Oh, man. Uh, Golden Grams. That's um, three. That's number three? Oh, wait. Wait. What order am I going in? Three to one. Three to one. Oh, three. Oh, to did you just blow number one? I, All right. We'll yeah, blew number <laughs> one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Golden Grams. And then I'll, <laughs> the other two. Man, I'm a sucker for life. It's yeah, so just boring. Regular life? Just regular life. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, I've just always liked it. And yeah. then, um, and, and what is that? I don't know if I got three. Oh, I'm not being good. Being no, put on cool. the spot. So. Hey, that's fine. Ellis so, isn't great at it either. So Golden Grams and life. I'm sticking All right, with that. Two. Cool. And donuts. Every, okay. Just donuts in a bowl with milk over it. I'll yeah. eat it. Sounds good. I think Sounds we all delicious. would, although yeah. not many of us would admit it. Uh, all right. Well, me for me, I'm gonna go three to one. Let me think here for a second. All right. Number three. I'm probably going to go with Cinnamon Life. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I like cinnamon. Cinnamon. I can't yeah. do regular. Not, not a huge fan of cinnamon. Okay. Don't hate me for that. Yeah. Don't but get offended. Yeah. I, I, I can appreciate it. Yeah. Cinnamon Life. Number two is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'm a cinnamon guy, as okay. you can tell. Except number one, always, in the, the chasm is wide, Reese Puffs. Oh, my kids love Reese Puffs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We so, have many boxes at home of Reese Puffs. I mean, it's, 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 so, it's so bad, but it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So your turn. In the chat, top three cereals. I don't even know how we started talking about this, but here we are. Put it in the chat so we can find out what yours are. And, you know, I, I so my wife, she likes to she likes to take toast, put a little bit of, like, natural peanut butter on it. It's just, like, peanuts and salt. And then she'll pour, like, the most generic cereal on top just to give it, like, a texture. Crunch. Yeah, just you to have give the it crunch. some crunch. Oh, yeah, I got Not crunch. actually for flavor. So she'll put, like, bran flakes on there. Just some Lay's potato chips and almost yeah. any sandwich. Yeah. Oh, she, great. Oh, she loves that. Yeah, it's so she, good. She loves Lay's potato chips and sandwich. sandwich. Now, you're you're changing gears. You're doing something tomorrow, right? Well, I, yeah. Well, I don't know if you're doing anything tomorrow. I, I'm not. I'm not doing anything tomorrow. If you don't know, we record this early. So you're watching this on Sunday. I, I'm a father of two by the time you watch this. Yeah, Congratulations, you know, man. That's yeah, awesome. Thank that you. That is awesome. Thank you. My wife and I, well, as Ben alluded to, my wife is having our second child. I'm just going to, you know, cheer her on from the sidelines. But, uh, yeah, welcoming in a boy into the world. So Boys are fun. Yeah. Well, that's what I've heard. And, you know, I I guess most guys, they kind of want a boy before they have kids. I had a girl first, and then I was like, I only want girls because she was so awesome. But then I found out I was having a boy, and I was like, Ah, uh, yes, I did want a boy. So it's like it feels, I don't know, it feels really good. It's like a win-win, you know? Yeah, no, it's fun. That'd be it. Congratulations, man. That's yeah, awesome. I'm probably uh, noticeably more tired, like, when you're watching this than I seem at this current moment. In fact, I don't know if I'm even very coherent about my surroundings. You had brothers, so you know the amount of damage your house is about to, <laughs> yeah. is about to That's be That's true. Uh, but there were three of us. There yeah. were three, so hopefully, hopefully just the two of them won't be as bad. And, you know, we got the girl and the boy. But I don't know that that matters when they're young. My girl can tear up a house. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, stuff everywhere all the time. But, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And uh, so it's going to be a really, really great day today. Uh, we're so glad that you are here joining us as a part of this. Again, if you're new here, we're especially glad that you came. We have all sorts of stuff going on. As spring comes... Um, even though it's been a little cold recently, spring is basically here. We're looking forward to it. And with that, there's all sorts of events. We don't have time to go through them, but check out our website, pccwire.net slash events. They're happening online and at a lot of our physical locations. So if you live near one of our locations, you're invited. Even though you're part of the online campus, you're invited to come and be a part of that. So I hope that you will. I hope you'll check them out. And uh, before we get in there, I'm going to pray for us. So why don't we do that together now? God, we thank you. For today, the opportunity to hear from you, to learn from you, and to do it together. Even though we're all on different sides of the screen, maybe it's not even Sunday at this point when uh, we're viewing this, God, but you transcend time, you transcend all that. So would you speak to us through this moment, through these words, through these songs, that we can hear what you want to teach us, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do it. Ready, set, go. See you in there. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do.
learn about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously. We give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. And we are so glad you are here today. Welcome to church. church we are so glad that you're joining us we just want to invite you wherever you're at to sing along with us to focus your attention on God with us Spirit is here, let there be freedom. 
Always doing great things all around us. We get to sing to him. Come on, let's worship. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. And see how his love overcomes. He has done great things. That's right. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Oh God, you do great things. of heaven you conquered the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things 
done great things. We believe that. And break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and delight. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You have done great Guys, we serve a God who does great things, wonderful things, miraculous things. And if we were to try to sing about them all, we'd be here for the rest of our lives, literally. In fact, John, the brother of Jesus, said it this way, Jesus also did many other things, and if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And he wrote that almost 2,000 years ago. So sometimes we try to just take a moment to simply say that, Jesus, we love you. Because even though we don't have time to sing about everything, we can sing about this one most important thing, which is our complete devotion to him. So sing with us. All things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. And things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. Shine in darkest nights For all that you've done We will pour out our love This will be our anthem song Jesus, we love you Oh, how we love you You are 
Jesus, and we're grateful to be with you as we worship and pour out our love for him. Well, hey, I'm Rob Topher, the CARA pastor here. And I'm Michael Hedrick, pastor of our Farmville campus. Welcome to PCC. And if you haven't yet, take a minute to submit a welcome card. That's how you can ask for information, prayer, or get in touch with someone on our team. And we believe that God has designed us all to be the change in the world. And this month, we have opportunities to do good at every physical campus and around the world in Ukraine, Moldova, Belize, and Tanzania. Just click the Do Good banner on our app or website to see those options for how you can be the change in the world. Since the earliest days of our church, our middle and high school students have led the charge at PCC to improve life for those in need. The annual summer mission trip is a defining part of PCC students, and the, and the deposits for this year's trip are due this week. We work with an organization called MissionServe, and our team is the largest in the country every year. Adults and students from across our campuses rally for this life-changing week. It's life-changing for homeowners who receive handicapped ramps, new roofs, or other critical home repairs. And it's also life-changing for our team. As God works through our students to change others' lives, it also changes their lives. They learn new things about God, about the world, and about themselves. And they connect with God and others through worship, prayer, fun, and of course, hard work. Every year, some students renew their commitments to follow Jesus, and some make first-time decisions to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. They come home, and then we get the opportunity to baptize them. When you give here, you create opportunities for students to be changed by God and for them to be the change in the world. And if you'd like to be a part of that, then click the link in the chat or visit our app or website to give. Would you pray with us? God, we thank you 
for the work that you are doing in the hearts and minds and souls of our students and our, our young people. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to watch them flourish and grow and reflect your love and goodness to the world. We ask that you take the gifts that we're giving to you now as an act of worship and of obedience and bless them and do more with them than we ever could. In Jesus' name, amen. So in a few minutes, we're going to get you into the next topic of the No Offense series and discover another way to not be so offended. But I have a little insider information for you. Our topic today has a lot to do with the next song. to apologize? Really? Hold that thought. We'll come back to it. It's hard to say when it started, 
But as best as we can tell, somewhere in the 1880s, somebody coined a phrase. It was more like a word picture used to describe a feeling that would easily translate for generations all the way until this moment, really, especially in this moment. We don't know who first said it, but once it came out, it became common. The phrase, walking on eggshells. And we all know what this means, right? You might define it with different words, but however you say it, it it conveys the idea that we have to be extremely careful not to disturb or preturb or otherwise offend somebody. When you're walking on eggshells, the slightest misstep will trigger a response that you're trying to avoid. And that pretty much describes the world we live in today, doesn't it? And it's why we did this series that we call No Offense, because God really wants us to live better, freer lives, not, not so that we can say whatever we want or, or be however offensible we want, but so that we can be people who are less offendable, more confident in who we are, knowing that the God we serve is who defines us. So I might still need to walk on eggshells around others, but I want to be the kind of person where you don't have to do that so much with me. We talked directly on the very first Sunday about finding our identity and our confidence in Jesus so that we could be less offendable. And then last week, we talked about humility, and and we released this unhealthy, unrealistic need to be right all the time about everything. In fact, we said this out loud. We said, you know, I'm I might be wrong about just about anything as long as I'm right about Jesus. So let's say we do those things. Let's say that we learn the skill of being less offendable and let things that used to bother us go. I'm less anxious. I'm I'm not as sensitive. I'm lighter. I'm freer. And let's say we also get okay, I mean really okay, with the possibility that I might be wrong learn to respect other perspectives and points of view, even appreciate how other people see the world. I let go of the need to be right all the time. Even if we do those two things, even if we develop a thicker skin and a more humble posture, there are still times when an offense will breach and I'll get hurt. That's true for all of us. In fact, if you've not been around here long, maybe you've never heard me say this that I don't know much about what the future holds. In fact, I don't really know anything about the future, except I'm 100% sure of this. If you hang around me long enough, well, sooner or later, I'm going to let you down. Because the shared human, human experience, what it means for all of us is that sometimes we hurt each other, even though it's probably not intentional. And sometimes that hurt breaks through the the thick skin of the less offendable character that you've worked so hard to acquire that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. When you get hurt, when, when the offense breaks through the protections and it actually causes you real pain, well, then you need another tool, a word that's easy to say and a lot more complicated to live. And that word, of course, is forgiveness. God goes out of his way so that you and I will know through the pages of the Bible how important this is. 
For example, Jesus one time said, when you pray, if you remember anyone who has wronged you, forgive him so that God above can also forgive you. Now, I could easily just move on, just cite the text and get to the next piece of scripture, and that's what we often do, but this right here is so significant, and most people miss it. The phrase, so that God can also forgive you, well, what this means is that my forgiveness from God is contingent on my forgiveness of others. Or as I say, forgiveness is the one thing that I can't get if I don't give. That's what this means. And here's another one of Jesus' sayings about this. He said, even if he, meaning you know, whoever, your brother, anybody, even if he wrongs you seven times in a single day, if he turns back to you each time and says he's sorry and will change, you must forgive him. This is the repeat offender's forgiveness. And even, even the most famous prayer ever spoken, what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus then presumed forgiving hearts in us when he taught us how to pray. He said, for when you pray, say, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Throughout Jesus's ministry, he, he encountered people who were guilty of some kind of sin, many times a serious sin, people who were committing adultery or taking advantage of other people or who had massive egos and just thought they were better than everybody. And Jesus offered forgiveness to them all, even, even when he hung on the cross. In probably the most famous last word ever spoken, he prayed that God would forgive the very people who were executing him. Forgiveness is at the heart of God because where there is no forgiveness, there is no community, there's no church, there's no family, there's no life. Forgiveness is the medicine that, that heals. It's the glue that keeps us together and, and healthy in our failures. And we're going to have some of those with each other. But you might be thinking, well, Jesus forgave all those people, but, but what, what if, Brian, what if he'd been betrayed by somebody that like, he really knew, somebody really close to him, somebody that he loved, and somebody who said they loved him? I bet it wouldn't have been so easy for Jesus to forgive that person. I don't know how easy it was, but I do know that Jesus did it. In fact, one of his closest friends, arguably his best student, hurt Jesus in a stunning act of betrayal. And you might think I'm talking about Judas, the guy we always label as the betrayer since he turned Jesus over to the Romans. But I'm actually not talking about Judas. I'm talking about Peter. Peter was Jesus's most vocal follower. He's filled with passion. He had all this raw zeal and a ton of energy. Peter appeared to be the most dedicated of all the disciples. And he's the guy who who got out of the boat and he walked on water because Jesus invited him to do that. He, he made the declaration that Jesus was the son of the living God. He even cut off the ear of a Roman soldier in a first century version of an attempted prison break with Jesus. But, but even Peter was not exempt from this absolute truth, that even the most dedicated among us stumbles from time to time and lets down people that they say they care about, that they actually care about. Well, Jesus knew this would happen. 
He said it was going to happen. And then it happened. Then, seizing him, that is seizing Jesus, they led Jesus away and took him into the house of the high priest, and Peter followed at a distance. And when there had, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they'd sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, was with Jesus. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them, one of the followers of Jesus. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter from the cross. And then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I wonder, I've thought about this story a lot. I, I wonder if from that point forward, there was a kind of instinctive reaction every time Peter would hear a rooster crow. You know, there's, there's that wire in our brains that registered all, registers all the details of those moments when something traumatic happens to us, like, like the, the sight of that place where that car wreck happened, or the divorce lawyer's office where you sign the papers, or, or the sound of leaves falling or water splashing, the sight of a liquor bottle or a shot glass or, or a certain smell. These things, it could be anything, can be a, a trigger that takes us back to a different place and time. And I'll bet you it was like that for Peter. I mean, Jesus predicted to Peter that Peter was going to betray him, deny that he even knew him, deny that Jesus was the Son of God, deny their friendship. And the marker for that moment, Jesus said, would be the rooster's crow. By the time the rooster crows tomorrow, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. It was a horrible thing to say. And Peter, with all his heart, he believed that Jesus was wrong about that. And yet it happened. Once, twice, then the third time. And that's when he heard it, the rooster crowing. And I'll bet the sound of a rooster's crow haunted Peter from that moment on. I bet every time he heard one, it brought up in him this massive pile of guilt that he had actually let Jesus down when Jesus needed him most. The rooster's crow reminded him of his biggest life's failure. He could see, permanently etched in his mind, was that look on Jesus' face because when it happened, Jesus saw him from the cross. And Peter could see the sadness, the disappointment, the feeling that he had inside of him of just wanting to go crawl under a rock and die. And you know how often Peter heard a rooster's crow? Every day. No exceptions. Because chickens, hens and roosters, they were all over the place all the time. I used to have some hens. It was a hobby. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, for several years, I had these hens that, that, that laid eggs. They, a hen lays like 300 eggs a year when she's mature, and, and I really like fresh eggs. Plus, 
I don't know. There's something primitive inside of me. There's something about getting my own eggs in the morning. Maybe I just like being outside, or maybe there's something always that's always been in me that wanted to be a farmer. I don't really know what it is, but I do know that I enjoyed it. It was a hobby I enjoyed, except that I wanted to make sure this was clear to my whole family. The hens are not our pets. So when my kids were little, they, you know, they thought they were so cute. My kids wanted to name the hens. And I said, no way, we're not naming the chickens. The chickens are not pets. They are egg-producing factories. Think of them like machines that cluck and lay, of course. Eggs are why we have them. That's it. But my kids insisted, and they were persistent in this. So I finally gave in. I said, okay, you can name the hens, but I'm going to give you a list to choose from now. You can pick any name for all the hens. You can pick any name from this list, okay? They said, great, Dad. What are, the, what are the options? I said, you can name the hens fried, barbecue, rotisserie, grilled, nugget. And we had hens, but we never had a rooster because I often leave my house really early, like 5 or 5.30 in the morning. And when I step outside every day in the pitch black darkness, I can hear somebody's rooster crowing in the distance. Somebody nearby has one, and every day that thing is going off, no exceptions. And as long as the windows in my house are shut, that rooster is far enough away that I can't really hear him when I'm in the important final hour of my sleep every day. But that's what roosters do, right? And in the first century, in in that region, in the region of Palestine, the daily call of the rooster would be impossible to avoid. It was as common then, as for you and me hearing cars pass by on the highway or a cell phone ringing. I've been to several developing countries, including our partners in Tanzania and Belize and Moldova, and in every one of those places, the rooster rules the clock, literally. So the rooster still begins crowing every morning before the sun is up, before your human internal clock is up and ready to go. So imagine what it must have been like For Peter to wake up every day to that sound, to have the conditioned response of of the anxiety of his life's biggest screw-up happen not from time to time, but every single morning. Peter could no longer escape the guilt of his failure. He couldn't get away from the, the taunting sound of the rooster crowing. It happened when Jesus was on the cross being crucified. But then, if we just fast forward just a little bit, Jesus, he he dies soon after that. They lay him in the tomb. And and Peter's last memory of Jesus is that look of agony on Jesus' face as their eyes met, right at the moment when the rooster crows, in the moment when Jesus needed him most. When Jesus needed Peter to stand up for him most, that's when Peter let him down. So now Jesus is gone, and every day the rooster crows, and Peter can't get away from his act of betrayal. So, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he starts showing up to all his old pals. And, and I, I, we're not told this, but at least I imagine that Peter maybe wanted to avoid him. I mean, after all, nobody let Jesus down more than Peter. There's no way that Jesus, he's got to be thinking, there's no way Jesus can forgive that kind of betrayal. But they end up at a meal together. The whole gang is there. 
And it must have been awkward for Peter, sitting there at the table, everybody knowing the extent of his failure. Jesus knew it. All the disciples knew it. Peter certainly knew it. So imagine with me for a minute. I mean, if you're Peter, what do you say? I mean, hey, Jesus, by the way, uh, sorry about the whole denying you thing. I don't know what got into me. Or, or did he say something like, you know what, Jesus, the next time you tell me, you tell me I'm going to disown somebody, I'm going to believe you. None of that must have sounded right because Peter basically avoids the whole subject. So Jesus brings it up, sort of. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. In case you're wondering, Jesus is not hard of hearing. When he asks Peter the same question three times, Peter gets insulted by it. But Jesus is trying to recondition the conditioned reflex that Peter already had. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus recommissions him three times. And the best part of the story, the best part is when it actually happens. Because verse 4 tells us that all of this happens, this conversation between Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and Peter, the, do you love me and feed my sheep? It all happens, verse 4 tells us, very early in the morning. In other words, Jesus reinstated Peter while the roosters were still crowing. He looked him right in the eye, just like he did from the cross after Peter's failure. And he said, Essentially, you thought I was through with you, but I forgive you, I restore you, I still love you, and I'll even use that failure to do great things through you. From that moment on, the rooster's crow no longer represented Peter's guilt, it now represented God's forgiveness and His grace. It was not a sound of horror, now it was a sound of healing. Jesus intentionally, deliberately chose that particular place and that particular moment because Peter needed a reconditioning of the reflexes, and Jesus knew just how to do it. But this wasn't really just about Peter. It was about all the rest of them, too. Jesus forgave and restored Peter, but the other disciples were watching and listening. Jesus' forgiveness of Peter was supposed to be an example to be followed by all of his followers. I saw something like this happen firsthand in my own life in an incredibly personal, incredibly powerful way about 10 years ago or so. My parents divorced when I was nine years old. My mom left my dad. He wanted her to stay. He begged her to stay. And when she refused, my dad harbored this pain of her leaving and it sort of stayed inside of him for decades. So 
you know, 10 years or so ago, though my parents had been divorced for 30 years at that point, it was still the defining event of our whole family. And I really didn't know how much this had affected me, but I started going to see a counselor and, my, and I unpacking this stuff with him. And the counselor kept saying to me, hey, you have got to talk to your dad about this, and then you've got to talk to your mom about this. And I said to him, I refuse. No way. There's, there's no way I'm ever talking to my mom about this pain inside of me that was ultimately something that she did because she can't undo it. It's the single greatest regret of her life. She admits that. And there's no way I'm going to tell her that this has hurt me too on something she can't undo. She can't go back. I'm not going to do that to her. But when the pain inside of me became unbearable, I did ask to talk to my dad about it. I asked him to meet me for breakfast one summer morning. I walked in the restaurant. He was already there. I sat down. I never got a word out. I just started crying so hard. I just couldn't talk. Dad knew something was wrong. He just didn't know what it was. And he and I have been close for a long time, so it was, I'm sure, somewhat odd for him. But finally, I was able to get some words out, and I started pouring out my heart, and I, I told him how broken I had been for so long about this trauma that wasn't just about the two of them, but also their oldest son. So we talked for three hours, and we had all this honesty and a lot of tears. And, and somewhere in there, I also said to him, you know, my counselor told me I needed to talk to you about this. And, and he also said, I've got to talk to mom. And, and I told dad how much I didn't want to talk to mom because I said, I, you know, she can't go back. What good would this do? It would only hurt her. And that's when I saw one of the most stunningly beautiful things I have ever seen in my whole life. After watching my dad live with this bitterness and pain inside of him for all those years. My dad looked at me in the parking lot of that restaurant with tears in his eyes, and he said to me, don't you talk to your mom about this. He said the divorce was not your mom's fault, it was mine. It wasn't true, though. See, my dad knew it wasn't his fault. My mom knew it. I knew it. Everybody knew it. But what I got to see that day, I was seeing for the very first time in my life. After 30 years, Dad forgave her, <laughs> and then he protected her. He tried to take the blame on himself for something he didn't deserve, something that he didn't really own. He didn't know it that day, or at least Dad wouldn't have put it this way. But he was showing me something about God, that God offers us forgiveness, and then he expects us to extend it to. No offense does not mean that I'm never hurt. It just means I know what to do when I am. Forgiveness is the pathway to freedom, not just for you, but for everybody else around you, for everybody in your family, for your circle of friends, frankly, for our community too. For too long, too many of us have had a spirit of unforgiveness that we've just carried around with us against people around us, against members of our own family or, or some group in our family or somebody who was a former friend. And yes, remorse would be nice. Hearing your offender say, I'm sorry, would be welcome. I get it. But you don't have to wait. 
you don't have to wait for an apology. You don't have to wait for the person who hurt you to make it right. You just got to deep, deep, dig deep inside yourself. You got to go way in here. And you got to say the words, I forgive. I'm going to release this. I release the offender and I release the offense. Like Jesus did that day so long ago, freeing his, his friend Peter. You can also forgive your offender. In fact, if we're going to live better lives, if you and I are going to live freer lives, we've got to learn to do this. And you can learn to do this. And when you do, you get a double win. You unlock the forgiveness of God, and you free yourself and people around you. Forgiveness. The one thing you can't get if you don't give. So let's be lavish with it. Like God, who went to extraordinary lengths so that we could have forgiveness. It's the hardest thing to give away And the last thing on your mind today And always goes to those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they cause is just too real Use everything you have to say the word Forgiveness Flies in the face of all your pride Moves away the man inside It's always anger's own worst enemy Even when the jury and the judge Say you've got a right to hold a grudge It's the whisper in your ear saying Set it free Forgiveness Forgiveness Help me now. 
struggling to forgive, you are not alone. And maybe Pastor Brian's teaching today is stirring something inside of you. And if so, we are here to pray with you, talk with you as you lean into God's heart and the freedom of forgiveness. Also, you can get additional tips through Pastor Brian's follow-up video this week. And you can look for that on our app or website and come back next week for the last installment of the No Offense series. See you then. Bring a friend.
Not every day looks like I want it to Keep making all the same mistakes No matter how hard I try perfecting everything Still I fall, still I fall down Still I fall, still I fall down And when I stop and think about what I'm after I realize it's all fun
Oh